Hello, and welcome to another episode of Film Exploration with Ash Hurry, and we shall be continuing our 80s theme movies, and today we'll be talking about the 1988 romantic comedy, Coming to America, directed by John Landis and starring Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, and James L. Jones. 32 years this movie came out and this film still trumps all the comedies that are spitting out in this half of the millennium. I mean, if you say to me Eddie Murphy, some will go Nutty Professor or Axel Foley or even Donkey from Shrek. But I, and I'm sure others, will go Prince Akeem from Coming to America. This film has considerably sped up in momentum in the last decade in terms of popularity, especially with people just quoting this film without even knowing where it's come from. And just a movie that is every bit funnier than it was in 1988. The 80s were trying to introduce this sort of satirical comedy again, made famous by the early 30s of slapstick. And directors like uh, Mel Brooks and uh, Woody Allen were being really bold and doing these over-the-top movies which introduced this sort of slapstick comedy again in films like Blazing Sandals, uh, Blazing Saddles and uh, Terry Gilliam with uh, Monty Python, which is similar to the approach that the Marx Brothers did back in the 30s. And, you know, the main reason comedies were booming that decade was the flood of teen comedies that had just been introduced, including Fast Times and Ridgemont High, and then, of course, John Hughes's Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club, and Pretty in Pink, where they were dominating the genre. And this, of course, leaked into the 90s, which took over the genre into a whole new level with films like Not Another Teen Movie and American Pie. Coming to America sort of established itself as one of the first contemporary movies to have their star play multiple characters. And this is sort of the start of a trademark for Eddie Murphy. It somehow manages to become funnier every time you watch it, aging like a fine wine. Now remember, Eddie Murphy started stand-up when he was just 15 years old. So comedy was like his thing. He knew how to make people laugh. And he had a gift. He has a gift when it comes to the knowledge of comedies and comedians. Eddie Murphy, he studied comedy intensely. He actually did stand-up in the Bay Area Comedy Club. It's the same one as Robin Williams and Karen Johnson, whose stage name eventually became Whoopi Goldberg, before they all got into acting. Now, with comedy, ever since film was established as a way of telling stories, one of the main things they wanted to do in the late uh, 19th century was to sort of make the audience laugh. And I think the first ever comedy, which is debatable, but was made like in 1895, it was called The Sprinkler Sprinkled. I think it was done by the Lumiere brothers, who were quite revolutionary at the time. But yeah, it was a simple simple story where a guy with a hose who gets pranked into getting soaked by this this kid. And that was it. And, uh, you know, there was no special effects back then or expectations of special effects or what a film must be you know comedy was extremely successful and it was done by stupid visual actions and really big physical humor which started this slapstick era in cinema which basically put stars like charlie chaplin harold lloyd and buster keaton on the map others rose to fame you know towards the 40s and 50s you know quite quickly with this slapstick era like laurel and hardy and you know the three stooges and in 1921 actually buster keaton was uh, in a film called playhouse and he plays nearly every character in the movie, which does started this style in films. Something um, Stanley uh, Kubrick did with Peter Sellers in Doctor Strangelove. And it was there that Eddie Murphy got his inspiration to play multiple characters and sort of pay a homage to these greats of comedies. And even tried to reintroduce this style of comedy in the 80s. And of course, he did this first with Coming to America. Eddie Murphy had these big box office movies come out, but the reviews were always indecisive of if they liked it or not, because it was something completely different and new to what Hollywood were used to. I mean, 
people loved it. I mean, Raw, Beverly Hills, and The Golden Child all did really well, and audiences loved Eddie. His debut film, uh, what was it, 48 Hours, was a box office sensation. He was the first actor to be paid a million for his first ever film, and this was sort of due to his popularity on Saturday Night Live and, of course, his numerous stand-up routines. I mean, he's arguably the biggest movie star to come out of Saturday Night Live, although I did read he's never really attended any of the reunions they've done, so he's never really gloated about that reputation since he's distanced himself from the show. Coming to America was a different sort of movie for Eddie Murphy for many reasons, and it got the studios and fans worried. I mean, he was playing a gentler, softer character than his last characters, and this film was also a romantic comedy rather than just a raw comedy or a subgenre of action, kind of like Beverly Hills. He was used to playing these loudmouth characters, very aggressive, very funny, but this was sort of the first movie where he didn't play a loudmouth or an aggressive, funny type, and people were worried because... That's why he was raking in the big bucks and, you know, with Hollywood and the audiences. Not to mention, this was a start of playing multiple characters, things that people like Buster Keaton and Peter Sellers inspired Eddie Murphy to do for this movie and more movies to come. But critics were worried in the 80s because they didn't know if people would respond, you know, would respond to this sort of technique that Eddie was trying to introduce. Little did anyone know that coming to America would shape Eddie Murphy's style and career for years to come. I mean... The story of coming to America, if you haven't seen it, is quite simple. In fact, it's a story that Eddie Murphy came up with during a stand-up routine. And one of the main reasons he did the movie was because he wanted to work with his, um, one of his best friends, Arsenio Hall, who plays Semi in this movie. So if you haven't seen it, it's, uh, it's about a prince of a fictional African kingdom called Zumunda, which was made up actually by Richard Pryor in another stand-up. Anyways, this is where, you know, Prince Akeem has lived in luxury and riches his entire life, comically so too. He then finally sums up, he sums up the courage to reject an arranged marriage on his 21st birthday and convinces his father he wants to travel a bit, you know, to soy the royal, sow the royal oats, as he puts it, before marrying. But really, he is out there to seek his future wife, someone who isn't taught to worship him, someone who has a personality of their own. And upon chance and luck, he chooses Queens in New York to find his bride. And once they both go to Bry, uh, once they both go to Queens, him and his trusted valet Semi adapt to this new lifestyle where they are met with the harshness of life. But to their joy, and they begin their quest to find Akeem, his you know his bride to wed. The way this movie is done is in a gentle way, but it's full of outbursts of pure comedy and sometimes over-the-top slapstick performances, mainly from Eddie Murphy's other characters. His main character, Akeem, is the gentle one. However, he makes up for this in his other characters like the hairdresser or the church host. You find he does this sort of style in The Nutty Professor and Norbit, playing the main roles as quite gentle, yet explosive in his sub-roles with his throwback to the 30s comedies. And this is why I say Eddie Murphy has a gift for comedy, because he has fundamentally reintroduced his style from way back in the in the Buster Keaton days to contemporary Hollywood now. And this film marks the second collaboration of director John Landis and Eddie Murphy after previously working together in Trading Places. They worked once more after this film in Beverly Hills Cop 3. They actually had a dispute during this movie and they vowed never to work with each other again, but they later apologised to each other and Eddie Murphy asked John Landis to direct the third Beverly Hills movie. John Landis' most famous movies are probably the ones I've already mentioned, but what really, I think what he's really known for is directing the thrill of music video with Michael Jackson, which to me is one of the most watched music videos ever made. It's such, it's such a good video. In fact, the royal dancers in Coming to America, you know, the dancers in the movie right before Akeem, Akeem's queen is to be introduce they're dancing a really high tempo version of the thriller dance so that was a nice little thing that john landis blended into the movie from his experiences with michael jackson 
And another thing John Land is sort of incorporated in the movie are the, are the sort of color themes of red and black. Now, obviously, in the Thriller video, Michael Jackson is wearing the famous red and black outfit. But in Coming to America, you can actually see these film, uh, these colors sort of resonate in the film. Like uh, the restaurant uniforms are red and black, the uniforms of the party, Lisa's shirt, her dress, even her earrings of the party. So it was a nice little trademark that John Landis, the director, kept. And what John Landis also unintentionally does with the casting of Prince Akeem's parents, played by James Earl Jones and the late Marge Sinclair, is he foreshadowed the eventual casting of Mufasa and Cyrobi in the 1996 film The Lion King, where they both again play king and queen, but this time stepping in as the voices of Simba's parents. And it's even freakier as well, because James Earl Jones, who voices Mufasa, is wearing a massive lion skin scarf when visiting the McDowell's near the climax of the film, so I thought that was kind of interesting. So I'll talk a little bit about the movie and what kind of themes it does explore. I mean, the one that critics had a real problem about was the harsh use of stereotypes in the movie, mainly towards Africa as a nation. Africa is portrayed through a fictional kingdom of Zamunda being one of the richest places in the world. And even though this movie is done in the 80s, the argument was still around about these stereotypes that doesn't, it doesn't really do nothing but to expand and confirm people's belief of African lifestyle. I mean, for one, you have arranged marriages. For two, you have African animals like an elephant and a zebra just walking across the field casually. Which, I mean, it's not there for realism, but mainly for a light-hearted approach to a scene between father and son. But what it does show deep down is that people are more comfortable with labels and associations just because they're African. It means we need to see a zebra and an elephant walk past the screen. I mean, this scene could have survived without it. I mean, it doesn't... I mean, it do I don't think animals casually walk past people's back gardens like that, do they? So it, it, they could have really left that bit out. And another little stereotypical remark was when Akeem is trying to impress Lisa by saying he's a goat herder, completely turning it on its head... Rather than admitting he's a prince, he lies and creates a generic African and, more importantly, stereotypical job for an African community. This is just another example of using stereotypes in an insensitive way because it further solidifies these stereotypes to be used and associated with African culture. Of course, when Akeem and Semi first come to America, they have their own clothes, their own style, and this has led them to, you know, people start calling them names in a not-so-aggressive way, but it further demonstrates that people do so so casually because it considered, you know, it's considered the norm to stereotype now to associate colourful clothing with Africans or exotic animals like zebras with the African culture. And this is something that the movie probably didn't do intelligently to ridicule African stereotypes, but it just shows that stereotypes are done very trivially and without thought. Now, another theme this movie kind of exploits is fame. I mean, the struggle to live with fame is something not many of us are ever going to understand. And for me, this is a little love letter to the famous people in Hollywood that everything is way too materialistic and too fake. And it goes beyond ridiculous sometimes. I mean, in this film, it clearly demonstrates this with the royal penis being cleaned or his ass is always wiped for him. And it's exaggerative, yes, but it does sell the point that everything, when money and riches are involved, shields you from the real world and actual responsibilities. Now, Akeem was born into this, I mean, born into fame. And like I said earlier, Eddie Murphy started his stand-up routine at age 15. He was very young. I mean, I've read he started way before that. Now, by doing this film, he was probably one of the biggest stars in the 80s. And remember, people were loving the black community in terms of exploitation. And it was on the rise. I think, like, weeks before this movie came out, NWA just dropped straight out of Compton. So this movie did 
really well are coming out at a crucial time for people of colour. My point is, the time of this movie's release was key to the use of rising his star power to fellow black people. To say that being poor isn't something that is taken for granted. There is a sense of freedom to it. The key for some isn't money, and it certainly isn't fame. He is embarrassed by being a prince in this movie. He doesn't want the materialistic things. He wants the awful apartment. He wants the girl to love him for who he is, because he feels he has a lot to offer. He's been completely consumed by prized possessions by simply being born into it. And he does something about it. He rebels. He changes his lifestyle. His routine, you know, his routine has changed. He goes into the slumps. He works at McDowell's. He mops the floor. And he uses this to his, his, you know, his advantage by finding his bride and by just being himself. And this is an important message. It doesn't matter if you're born from riches or from no money at all or with some money at all. The key here is if you're unhappy, you need to act and do something about it. Yes, okay, he has money and has, he has everything he wants in terms of possessions, but he's not happy. He needs someone and he hasn't, you know, he needs someone to love him for who he is. And this works for anyone. If you're born into a poor family or an average family or a rich family, you know, you have a roof over your head and a food on the table. And after that, you need to decide if you're happy with that or if you want more. And if you do, you need to fight for it. You need to get out of this comfort zone like Akeem does by going to Queens and really embracing this change when he does by dressing like a New Yorker, by cutting his hair, leaving all this thing behind. I mean, this story is a message of rebirth and to find yourself. And he does so not in the sort of jungle of Zamunda, but in this urban jungle of New York. Semi, his um, sort of entourage, I mean, he's this sort of um, metaphorical, pleasant devil on your shoulder reminding you, you don't have to change. It's okay. Enjoy what you have. This is what you were born into. And some people just accept it. Whether you're born rich or poor or just in the middle. But this movie tells you, don't just, do not just accept it. Find out what you're worth. See what you can do by going out of your comfort zone. We can all relate to this sort of friend in Semi who just says, why fight it? Why go against the current? I've got a roof over my head. I've got food in my belly. What more do I want? Akeem has everything, but he doesn't have true love. He doesn't have pure happiness. Semi reminds him he doesn't have to fight. Um, and he represents sort of that voice in your head that says, you don't need to do this. And what's great about Akeem is he is happy to do this, despite the fact he is out of his comfort zone. He is happy to learn. He's always smiling, even though when someone's yelling at him or stealing his stuff or he's mopping the floors or doing manual labor, he, he's smiling because he embraces it. He embraces it because he knows that this change is progress now and i read that you know arnold schwarzenegger back in the pumping iron days he would be in the gym every day till late when he was working out he was smiling he was happy bear in mind he was poor he didn't have money for supplements he had to work construction to pay for his supplements and then he had to go to acting school on top of this and then he squeezed the gym session and people in the gym were always moaning and showing a grump on their face when doing their like one rep max and arnie was always smiling despite his day of you know going working construction or doing acting or working or learning something and people came up to him and were like why are you smiling when you work out you're the only one in here smiling and he said it's because i have a gold and every time i do that one rep you know I, it brings me that much closer to my gold and he was excited for it and this was exactly the mindset that eddie murphy showed in playing akeem and Eddie Murphy knew what he was doing with the character of Akeem. I mean, he essentially has, you know, he's dropped his perfect life to find something that's more important, and that's happiness. It's a companion. It's love. And these are the things that Eddie Murphy decided to portray to audiences, mainly Americans as the audience, and, the, and to sort of the community of the poor, that if you want to get out of this life, you go ahead and do it. 
No, NWA did it with music. Spike Lee does it time and time again with all of his films. Processors do it by having a voice and using it. And Eddie Murphy hasn't been given his due praise because if you look closer at his films, you can see why he uses these softer main characters as him. From Akeem to Norbit to Sherman Clump in The Nighty Professor, these are the guys that has, has the audience we can relate to going through these, you know, these problems that are relatable of happiness and identity in coming to America or relationship abuse in Norbit or weight loss and dieting in Nutty Professor. He sugarcoats all this with satirical comedy. But like I said in the past, everything in film is done on purpose. The next time you watch an Eddie Murphy movie, there is a lot more to it. And Eddie Murphy is aware of what he's doing. He knows there are issues and he knows there are issues in the world. And he uses these themes, these issues and turns it on its head in Hollywood. And he tries to force out a message. And this is why I love this film, because it's not just a romantic comedy. It's pure genius. You know, every single character and their intentions within the first two minutes of seeing them you know Daryl is going to be an arsehole. You know Lisa is pure and genuine. You know Semi is just about materialistic items. And you know Akeem is after something more. And that is what Eddie Murphy does in his films. You don't need to deconstruct the characters. He allows you to relate to some of them, some more closer than others, and introduces a scenario fighting these themes, these issues. And he does, he does it in the backdrop of slapstick and 30s comedies. And he's not trying to be artsy. He's simply trying to bring the audience closer with his comedy and then even closer again with these everyday problems that we face in the world so look that's all i have time for with coming to america like i said this film has grown over time and i'm always fascinated with films that can do that i sometimes watch films now and think will they be relevant in 30 years times like this film is but yeah next year the sequel's coming out to this movie and um, i'm very much looking forward to it and if you want any updates i'm on instagram film exploration ah all lowercase or one word but that's it for today and thank you for listening to film exploration with ash hurry